0: It's Friday lunchtime in the centre of Bendigo, a country town about 160 kilometres north of Melbourne. Among the Victorian-era architecture, the cars and the people making their way along the thoroughfare, a woman moves through the crowd. She's holding a ten-month-old baby. A four-year-old trails along behind them. But these are not her children and they are very far from home. The parents have no idea where their children are. As far as they know, they're on a picnic with their au pair, Saka. They don't know it yet, but the au pair, this woman who's living with them, is not who she says she is, and her qualifications are bogus. The woman and the two children head into a department store. As they walk towards the cosmetic section, police enter the building. They make straight for the woman. And they swoop. From RTE Documentary N1, I'm Nicolene Greer. And I'm Sharon Davis. This is Finding Samantha.
1: I don't need to be saved. I need to be found.
0: Episode 6, Child's Play.
2: In the last episode, we became a target of Samantha's, being sent down a cryptic rabbit hole that ultimately led nowhere. Despite knowing her tricks, for a few days, Samantha drew us into her world, and it was disconcerting.
0: We also heard how Samantha served a prison sentence in New South Wales until the end of 2017, it turned out that her time in prison was no deterrent.
2: And in 2018, Samantha as a party was about to raise the stakes. She was 30 years old and was about to move from presenting herself as an abused child to gaining access to children as a carer, and manipulating them into presenting themselves as victims. She was also back working as an au pair
1: got out of jail and came to our
2: house. This is Jazzy Jervis. In 2018, Jazzy and her husband Tom were living in Brisbane. Tom was a basketball player and a pretty big one at that. He'd just been signed to play with the Perth Wildcats.
1: Again by Tommy Jervis. Wow, Tommy Jervis, no and
3: no.
0: Jazzy was pretty busy too. She was a corporate lawyer. Now she's a business coach.
1: I started my day coaching some of my clients on creating their own three-step visibility strategy in under 60 minutes. And that they
0: was- needed an au pair to help mine their daughter Clementine. When Jazzy got a personal recommendation of someone who could really help, she was delighted.
1: I put an ad in this um, in the group, which is generally how lots of people locate their au pairs, and was contacted by her, her parent current host family.
2: This is Jazzy speaking with Perth radio station 6PR in 2019.
1: Um, and so it was, it was more of a referral. I said she's really great. We're moving overseas and we're trying to help her look for a job. Um, and I really wanted to find someone via a referral as opposed to just, you know, locating someone random.
2: She said her name was Harper Hernandez and she was 17 years old.
1: She was great. Um, She seemed really young, um, but she said she was working with a family that had three kids under four, did all the right things, seemed really lovely, spoke to her on FaceTime, you know, a couple of times and nothing out of
2: the ordinary. And so Harper joined the family in Brisbane.
1: Uh, She said she was Australian. Her her parents were Australian, but they were uh, living in the States. So her mum was a solicitor um, and that her dad was a pilot. She said she'd been to boarding school in Dubai we had no concerns at all. Uh, Clementine loved her. Uh, they got on really well. We weren't. She she met our, you know, met our family. She met our friends. She was at basketball games with fifteen thousand people, um, and nobody suspected she was thirty-one. Um, you know, she looked really, really young, and nobody suspected a thing.
0: The family moved to Melbourne in December 2018, taking their seventeen-year-old pair Harper with them.
2: Harper dropped hints that she was from a very wealthy family. And holiday photos on her Facebook page of mansions, yachts and helicopters seemed to back up her story. Who is this girl, they wondered. For about
0: five months, everything seemed fine on the surface. But you know where this is going, don't you? Little did the Jervis family know that the person in their home was living multiple lives While she was with them, Samantha put an ad online looking for an au pair. It's hard to imagine, but she was about to subcontract the Jervis's 18-month-old daughter out to another carer. Samantha met a young woman in the city and handed Jazzy's little girl over to her for several hours on a trial basis. We may never know why she did this. The young woman later found out she'd been dealing with Samantha as a party... But never heard from her again. And there's more. While still working for the Jervis family as Opere Harper Hernandez, Samantha decided to launch a new career. She was about to become a talent scout. She
4: went by the name of Molly to us.
2: This is a girl we're calling Emma. She doesn't want her real name used. In 2019, she was 12 years old and, at the time, accompanied by her father, she was interviewed by journalists. Emma and her family are still suffering the after-effects of their contact with Samantha. They have been deeply traumatised by the whole experience and don't want to talk about it anymore. But we're using this previously recorded interview with their permission.
4: She actually... Put up this fake advertisement thing, saying that they needed a voiceover for a new movie. Uh, she promised me that I'll be doing an acting spot um, on the TV show called Punked, where I'll be going around pranking uh, like celebrities.
0: Oh, this Punked program oh, is a real program.
4: Look at her face, yo! You cannot punk me. I just want to know where Justin is. Here we go. My mom and stepdad thought that it would be good for me to do and I was like, yeah, this would be fun. I want to do it. So we met up and we were doing it like once a week. I thought that she was like the real deal because she said that she was my mentor and I believed it. She would take me around to these clothes shops and I'd be able to pick out a few things that I'd like and then she'll take photos of it to see what I wanted.
3: This went on for several months, so Emma would often leave school early to attend appointments with Marley.
0: This is Simone Fox-Koub, a journalist for The Age newspaper, who covers the case at the time.
3: Marley would take her to um, different places, such as a hospital, and ask her to go in and do bizarre tasks, take on different names and ask for help. We went to the children's
4: hospital. She made me pretend that I had been going through like really bad mental health problems. And that I needed to see a social worker, and she pretended
0: to be my mum. But one more detail made it even more sinister.
3: And Emma was told by Marley not to tell her parents about the bizarre things she was being asked to do at the time, um, and that this was all part of her, her training, um, and that it would help her secure an audition for a voice role in an animated movie.
4: So it was a bit like scary. When I found out that I wasn't allowed to tell anybody about it, I was a little bit weirded out and I wanted to tell my parents, but I wasn't
2: allowed. Journalist Simone Fox Coob spoke to Emma's parents about their initial impressions of Samantha, the woman they knew as Marley.
3: They described her as very confident. They didn't have any doubts that she was who she said she was. She was, um, you know, got quite close to the parents. She's definitely personable extremely confident and never seems to falter when she's questioned about anything. There's always a story um, to explain any slight inconsistencies that might come up. She's obviously intelligent because this isn't something you could do um, without being able to think on your feet.
0: Because Emma hadn't been allowed to tell her parents what was going on, her mother trusted the person she knew as Marley Samantha so convinced Emma's mother that she was a talent scout with big opportunities that her mother gave Samantha copies of Emma's identification documents and allowed Emma to travel to Sydney with Marley for an
2: audition in April of 2019. They stayed in Sydney for two days. On the first day, Emma had to go into a social services office.
3: She told the young girl to write on a piece of paper that she was seeing
4: ghosts. And I had to go under the name Emily and she said it was an audition when it was not It was weird.
2: That night they stayed somewhere in Sydney and Emma noticed something strange.
4: I did hear um, the people that we were staying with. We stayed at this ranch mm-hmm. the first night and they called her Samantha. I questioned her about it. I asked why... Like, they call you
2: Samantha? But she either ignored me or she didn't hear me. So So Samantha, with loads of previous convictions, turns up at a ranch-type place with a 12-year-old girl where the people there knew Samantha by name. We can't be sure where this is, but what story had Samantha spun? And who did they think Emma was?
0: The following day, after taking Emma to Bondi Beach... Samantha put the 12-year-old on the train back to Melbourne, on her own. That's an 11-hour journey. When Emma told her parents about some of the things that Marley had instructed her to do, they became suspicious and began checking Marley's credentials.
3: The agency, which um, she purported to work for, had no trace of her at all. Um, And so the family confronted her.
4: And she said that I was lying. She was saying that I was lying about everything and I hadn't been doing those
3: things. She seemed to disappear from their lives almost as quickly as she had entered them.
2: Remember, Samantha was still all pairing with the Jervis family in Melbourne while all of this was going on. But then Jazzy Jervis got a strange message.
1: We received a message on Facebook uh, from a family in Melbourne asking me if I had a girl named Marley that worked for me and I said no, you know, they thought that she had been posing as a casting agent uh, and liaising with their 13-year-old daughter Um, and we sort of said, you know, no, we don't have anyone called Marley.
2: But the Jervises were becoming suspicious.
1: We actually confronted Harper about it. Uh, She was quite defensive, said, you know, I was just trying to help her.
0: In June 2019, the Jervises sacked her. Harper, who of course was Samantha Azapardi, had been with them for a year.
2: We know by now that it's impossible to understand what Samantha was thinking when she was doing these strange and reckless things with children. But getting caught by Emma's family and the Jervis family didn't slow her down. Only a month later, in July 2019, Samantha showed up again in Sydney... Journalist Simone fox says she found another family and another identity, a talent scout again, but this time her name was Coco Palmer.
3: She'd reached out to their daughter, um, who was an aspiring model through Instagram.
2: Georgia Bevidge was 13.
3: They met originally at a cafe in Sydney and she bought them all hot chocolates and you know, her mother said Samantha just really sold the image of being a talent scout. She was very convincing and um, she obviously wanted to support the aspirations of her daughter. She was promising the young girl different things, makeup, new shoes, a new phone. Similar to the other cases, she um, had her do bizarre tasks. She would get the young girl to go into youth centres under the different names and tell them she'd been physically assaulted and to draw a bruise on her face Um, and she would even wire up with a microphone during some of these tasks to, to, to be able to hear what the young girl was saying.
2: Samantha also got Georgia to physically clean international currency by wiping it down removing fingerprints perhaps and rehearse strange roles that included playing a girl whose sister had died And these were all under the guise of auditions?
3: They were. They were. They were tasks, they were training. um, And, you know, for a family that doesn't have a huge amount of experience with anything like this, um, who's to say that this isn't what people do? That family then ended up travelling to Melbourne in mid-2019. There were some red flags, though, because despite claiming to live in the city... Um, as a party, didn't recognise any of the streets, she didn't know which tram to take. The family then confronted her in footage that they filmed, which was circulated in the media.
0: In the video, Samantha is in a hotel room with the Bevages, Georgia, her sister and her mother. The scam is falling apart for Samantha because she's checked into the hotel room, not as Coco Palmer, talent scout, but under a name the Bevages have never heard of, Jazzy Jervis.
5: To me. Yeah. Who is Jazzy? My sister. Is it? Yeah. Why did she check into this motel? Jazzy, Jarvis? Yeah.
2: This is the first time Samantha has been caught on tape mid scam, and the first time we actually hear her voice. In the video, Samantha is being questioned by all three of them, with the threat that the police are going to be called. She stays really calm and cool.
5: What's going on? What do you mean what's I going on? I don't believe you are who you say you are. I don't believe even though you even got through my stuff?
2: I don't believe you are
5: who you say you are. I don't, he doesn't even know who you are. He wants to come in and call the police. Kicking this out? What? Yeah. because you went up there and go, I don't know who this person is. You no, know, I just said, has Coco checked in? And he said, who's Coco? I have a, she's on a tram but she can't sit near you. Can you get on a tram? That's suspect. That's a suspect? Yeah, why did she have to sit away from you on the tram? She doesn't have to. You told her to. No, we get on at, like, at the same time. And you told her she can't sit near. Yeah, i say when to get on. One well, just right there at that. I want her to do the independent stuff. I feel like I'm now being interrogated.
3: Yeah. I remember them saying even when we were questioning her with quite solid evidence, she just had an answer for everything, and almost turned it on on them, and was questioning them about why don't you trust me? You know, I've done so much for you. So they they ended up calling police, and um and and she fled. Um and that family said, you know, they even think that. Research was done on, on their family before Samantha approached them because she seemed to have so many similarities to, to the mother.
0: The driver's licence Samantha was using to check into the hotel was just one of the things that had been stolen from Jazzy Jervis's house. She also took a credit card and an iPad.
2: And for the Bevidge family, they were left reeling.
3: They were really shaken and particularly I spoke to the young girl and you know, it's, it would be crushing to be that age and feel like you had these dreams that were coming true and then for your trust to be broken in that way I think is quite cruel.
2: For a child, that's got to stay with you for a very, very long time. That's got to be something that's pretty hard to get over.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember her saying she slept next to her mum for months afterwards.
0: Samantha seems unstoppable at this time. In September 2019, another family with two young children took her on as an au pair after receiving a fake recommendation via Facebook.
2: And this time, there would be a new and very disturbing element to her scam. Like many of her victims, they'd just come to Australia, having moved to Melbourne from France. Their new au pair was 18 years old and called Saka,
3: The mother was trying to go back to work and they needed more help. And it was two weeks into this that Samantha told them she was taking the kids on a hike just outside of Melbourne. But actually she took them to Bendigo.
0: Samantha brought the two French children into a mental health centre called Headspace. These children would now become props in this other scam she had been setting up for the previous four months.
3: She was bizarrely dressed in a school uniform and a straw hat.
0: Just after Samantha had been let go from the Jervises, she began having contact both in person and on the phone with staff at Headspace, which provides counselling and support to young people. She said she was 14, pregnant, and had been physically abused by her
2: uncle. The police conducted an investigation, wasting yet more police and healthcare worker time. It was believed Samantha was seeking
0: financial support as part of these claims. But on this particular day in Headspace, the increasing notoriety of Samantha as a party was about to catch up with her.
3: Somebody there recognised her from social media, I think it was, and called the police.
0: Samantha and the two small children left Headspace and tried to evade the police by ducking into a department store down the road.
3: She was arrested in late 2019 uh, in Bendigo, that was when she was arrested in the cosmetic section of a department store with a 10-month-old and a four-year-old.
0: After the police apprehended Samantha, she refused to cooperate. She wouldn't tell the police who the children were and they had to be placed into temporary care by the authorities until the police eventually figured it out and reunited them with their parents.
3: She was charged with child stealing over that. Um, And then later as the case progressed, other victims' cases were added. There was dozens of charges in the end. It was a big story in Melbourne.
2: A serial fraudster is in trouble with the law again, this time charged with child stealing in Victoria. It's alleged this woman tricked a couple into hiring her as a nanny.
4: Police say that this alleged woman's name is Samantha Azapardi, and it's understood that she has a number of aliases here in Australia as well as overseas. Now, police have also accused her of stealing a licence and a passport from a property in Brighton East earlier this year, and she is set to face a Melbourne magistrate later this morning,
0: Harper Hernandez, the au pair. Marley, the talent scout. Leila Evans, the busy mum. Coco Palmer, the talent scout. Saka, the au pair. Emily, the abused teenager. These are the identities we know about that Samantha used during this year in Melbourne. There are probably many more.
2: After almost two years of looking after young children and posing as a talent scout... And three weeks after her arrest, Samantha appeared before the Bendigo Magistrates' Court via video link. She faced 53 separate charges, with another charge added later.
3: I was there, I was at at the court. Um, She was wearing kind of the prison uniform um, at the time and then later on she'd wear a face mask but she was always... uh, either looking at the ground or in some way obscuring her face with her hands, uh, never kind of looking directly, very little interaction with anybody in the courtroom.
2: Journalist Simone fox Coob heard the victim impact statements in court. Jazzy Jervis gave one of them.
3: They had one of the most emotional, I guess, impact statements, which uh, really detailed how much of a breach of trust it is when you let someone into your home for that long and really... um, you know, trust them with your kids and how they will take their whole lives to really recover from from what happened to them, Um, because it was such a long period of time that they had employed Samantha.
2: Jazzy said that she was riddled with anxiety and she found it difficult to go outside and to meet new people. Working in her corporate job became more difficult, she said, and she ended up leaving it to spend more time at home.
1: You feel a bit like you've been violated, I guess pretty, I mean, it's, it, you feel really shocked, but also not entirely shocked, if that makes sense.
0: For Jazzy's husband, Tom, he told the court that Samantha's actions made him sick, embarrassed, scared and angry, that he'd let his daughter down. He told Samantha that she had stolen a piece of him and that he did not forgive her.
3: That French family... um, also had a pretty devastating impact statement in court. I remember them saying that it really ruined their move to Australia and kind of destabilised the family unit.
2: The French woman said that she became scared in her own home and kept thinking that Samantha might come back again or that she might have given the house keys to someone and a stranger might come in during the night. They were in financial trouble because the mother didn't want to leave the children in order to work. Emma
0: and her family are still suffering the after effects of her contact with Samantha. They have been deeply traumatised by the whole experience.
3: At the time, I think they were definitely in shock about how they had been able to believe Her story, and I think the trust they'd had um, around their children had been broken in a a really severe way.
0: By the time Samantha was sentenced in 2021, she had spent the previous 574 days in jail after her arrest. In her sentencing, the magistrate offered Samantha the opportunity to agree to a community corrections order, which would have directed her towards psychological counselling and assistance.
3: She gave instructions to her lawyer to absolutely oppose a community corrections order. She'd rather, it seems, do jail time than have any kind of supervision out in the community or, you know, seek mental health treatment or anything like that.
2: So prison or counselling? Having rejected the judge's offer, Samantha got her longest sentence so far. Two years in prison with a non-parole period of 12 months.
0: We certainly know by now that Samantha is a master of deception. As the years have gone on, Samantha has increasingly used other people to help her carry out the deceptions, now including some
2: young girls and women. And when it comes to her dealings with us, it seems she's used them in a rather clumsy attempt to imply that everyone has got it wrong. Samantha's not really guilty of all that she's been accused of. Not long after Sharon's encounter at the Woi Woi fish
0: market, we were contacted by email by yet another mystery woman.
5: My name is Jennifer. I'm from New Zealand.
0: It says she has information about one of Samantha's victims, whom we're not going to name here.
2: I was in Australia at the same time as who I met at a nightclub in Sydney. I really didn't want to know what happened. If you could please put us in contact, I really appreciate that. Thank you, Jennifer Shaw. Jennifer Shaw? Well, maybe. But perhaps we've become a little cynical when it comes to this story. There's something about this email that feels a little, well, it just feels a little Samantha. Not in the mood for more electronic back and forth. We suggest a Zoom meeting. Dear Jennifer,
0: there are some really interesting details in your email which we'd love to talk through with you. Are you available for a Zoom call sometime over in the next few days? Nicolene and Sharon.
2: She's up for it. She replies. I'm in Peru. Sorry for the long wait between replies. I'm here for my father's funeral. I sent this email during my plane trip not expecting a reply so soon. I'm available during the weekend if that works. Please let me know. Jennifer.
0: Strange and all as that reply was, we set up a Zoom link and log on. Not expecting anything, but there she was. Producer Tim Desmond is on the call too. It's 13 minutes past six, and Jennifer Shaw has entered the waiting room. Are you going to let her in, Tim? Yes, here we go. Hello, Jennifer? Hello. Hi. Hi,
2: how
5: are you? Hello, pretty good. Yourself today?
2: This is surprising. This woman has an American accent. She has dark skin and hair, big sunglasses, and a healthcare mask covering half of her face. It makes it impossible to identify her.
5: I've got the mask on too, because... I took a uh, test this morning and am definitely positive and I don't want to give it to anybody.
0: Okay, I'm slightly confused. You mentioned you, in your email you're from New Zealand. Um, mm-hmm.
5: certainly, but your your certainly.
0: accent sounds quite American. <laughs> oh
5: yeah, I bounce around a little bit with my family. I have kind of picked up the way of speaking a little bit.
0: Then she proceeds to make some very strange and outrageous claims about the victim of Samantha's, who she is talking about.
5: So it happened when I was 16, but I can still remember it to this day that I was in Sydney, Australia, and I met a certain person. I met her at a club in Sydney, and I was just drawn to her energy.
0: Jennifer says she was asked by this person to make fake IDs and smuggle illegal goods.
5: From my memory of recently that she was going to blackmail me if I didn't fund her project of smuggling. And I was just worried because I didn't want to go to prison.
0: We know what this person Jennifer is talking about looks like. Pictures of her in 2014 when Jennifer says she knew her show her with long brown hair.
2: I just funded, just in relation to the description of it. Could you just give us more of a description? What color her hair was, and her eyes? And
5: she had blue eyes, crystal blue eyes. She had a long, blonde, luscious hair. She was tall. She.
0: I'm just confused because the pictures I've seen, she's quite dark-haired. So I'm not sure if that's correct, though.
5: But um... oh, she could have
0: dyed it. Like all things to do with Samantha, the question is why? Why is this person telling us this? It seems that Samantha is using this person to try to tell us that we shouldn't necessarily believe all that her victims say. Is it possible that this woman is another of Samantha's recruits? And is it possible that she believes she is auditioning for a movie role like Emma and Georgia before her?
2: We persist with trying to untangle her answers, but she's vague and confusing. For someone who says she grew up in New Zealand and spent time in Australia, she seems to have a limited knowledge of the geography.
0: And where in Sydney were you living then?
5: Around. I think I was just hopping from here to there. I don't really know if I had a specific place. Can you remember which suburb you were in? I want to say... Maybe around the east, but I couldn't say the exact location.
0: Where in New Zealand are you from?
5: From uh, just around the main parts. I just bounce around the main parts of New Zealand.
0: We can see in the background of her call that it's bright sunshine. And it's very early morning in Sydney. It's summer, so technically the sun is up. But we asked her about her location. She mentioned Peru in her email to us.
2: So where are you actually contacting us from, Jennifer, given that you haven't been to Peru? And where are you contacting us from?
5: It's the U.S. It's all um, very private.
2: Okay, whereabouts in the U.S.? Which state?
5: Somewhere around Savannah. So you're in Georgia. Okay.
0: We go around in circles with her vague stories and then decide to ask her straight if she has been put up to this Zoom call. Did a woman ask you to speak to us today? Could that woman be Samantha as a party?
5: I think so, yeah. they wanted me to make up that I was in Peru. I've been, we've been in contact.
0: The recent contact you had with Samantha Can you tell us how you came in contact with her?
5: I can't recount on anything since I'm trying to keep a little bit of mystery, but we definitely chatted through a little bit of Instagram back and forth. Jennifer, have you been offered something to do this today, or is there something else involved? No. You haven't been offered any any incentive to do this? I didn't really get any incentive other than just to not have my name be dragged or anything like
2: that. Ninety minutes after so-called Jennifer Shaw first appeared on the screen, we're none the wiser. No locations in Sydney provided, not even which country she's calling from. Maybe Peru, maybe the US.
0: Jennifer seems to have been working off part of a script that she was given, but once questioned about any details, she seems confused. When we put the question to her that had Samantha asked her to do this, she sort of confirmed, but then retreated to confused, hazy territory. These are the dark arts of the fraudster. Welcome
2: to Samantha's world.
0: Next time in our seventh and final episode, in a story with so many questions... It looks like we might finally get some answers on our search for Finding Samantha. You capture the attention of other people and are able to have some sort of relationship with them because they seem interested in your stories. Samantha joins Sharon on Facebook.
4: I would like to apologise for the last message. I did write it to you and I was never meant to send it.
2: And we're given access to detailed reports on Samantha's history and what might be causing her to do what she does. Finding
0: Samantha is written, recorded and produced by Sharon Davis in Australia and Tim Desmond and me, Nicolene Greer, in Ireland. Executive Producer, Liam O'Brien. Soundtrack composed by Paddy Flynn. Sound Engineer is Damien Chanel. If you have any information or tips on this story, email us documentaries at rte.ie. For further information on the series, visit rte.ie forward slash finding samantha. Join us again for the seventh and final episode of Finding Samantha.
1: Full to the brim of fake confidence, a God that will never be broken because I broke a long time ago. I'm hurting, but don't tell anyone. No one needs to know. Don't show or you've failed. Always okay, always fine, always on show. The show must go on, it will never stop. The show must not go on, but I know it will. I give up, I give up giving up, I am lost. I don't need to be saved, I need to be found.